You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Oh, yeah. But they've already seen Aunt Lee's guns. He's already started it off. Well, uh, if you were here last week, we kind of introduced this idea of, of being naked. Um, or if you're from Jacksonville, naked. And, and it's this, this word, you know, it's not, it's funny. It's a funny word. But, I, you know, I do it not just to get the giggles, but it's the best word to kind of describe this concept, you know, of, of being totally exposed, totally vulnerable, not hiding anything and not holding anything back. Like, I just don't think of another word like naked that kind of encapsulates all of that. And so last week we talked about how in our relationship with God that, that we should move in this direction of being able to be naked before him, to be totally exposed and totally vulnerable and not hold anything back in our relationship with him. And um, we talked about the scripture of how we can do that in confidence, that we can, we can come before him totally exposed, totally naked, and yet in the confidence of what Jesus has done. And so this morning what I want to do is kind of talk about, well, how do we apply this concept in our relationship with others? And so let me pray, because we're going to need God to show up on this. God, we, we invite you right now. Lord, I, I would just ask that your spirit would lead us this morning, that you would speak truth into our hearts, and that you would find um, the, the words that will penetrate us, and that will change us, and that will transform us to be more and more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, we give you just reign over us to lead us into truth this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we are um, called and designed, really. We're designed to be in relationship, right? We are designed to be in relationship with God, and we're designed to be in relationship with other people. We are, I mean, before the fall of man, before sin, before any of the junk, God said it is, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. And this isn't just talking about marriage, and it's not just talking about genders, but it's talking about we are not designed to do life alone, but we are designed to be in relationship with other people. So as we talk about loving God and how we experience that love, the more that we can be naked, the more that we can be exposed with him, the more vulnerable we can be, the more that we experience relationship. The depth of our relationship with God is greater. The same is true in our relationship with people. Jesus calls us to love people, right? Everyone, that we are called to be distinctively different. That followers of Jesus would be distinctively different. Something about the way that they love people, something about the way they interact with people is distinctively different. And the way that Jesus would talk about it would be love. That they will see the way that you love one another and it will point to who I am and the work that I've done. Relationship, relationship with each other is distinctively different. And I think that part of that is our ability to be naked, to be naked with each other. And I, I, I was thinking about, you know, last week, really I'm encouraging, and I believe the scriptures are encouraging us to be totally naked, totally vulnerable with God, right? That we would hold absolutely nothing back. That we would, we would let it all hang out because you know what? He knows it all anyways. All we're doing is bringing it before him so that he can speak words of life into it, so that we can, we can deal with it. 
Well, now, what about in our relationship with man, okay? So I'm not saying that, like, you're going through the checkout line at Walmart, and it's, like, time to tell the cashier, like, all your deepest passions to be totally naked at Walmart, right? That's not, that's not, but, but what I would say is I think it's, I think it's a spectrum, right? I think that, the, I think that in all of our relationships, we should be, we should be moving towards, we should have people that we are moving towards being more and more exposed, more and more vulnerable, hiding less and less, showing who we truly are with more, like as we, as we move kind of towards deeper relationships, but we should have those deep relationships. You know, face, Facebook has destroyed the concept of friend, right? <laughs> I don't know how many friends you have on Facebook, but you don't really have that many friends, Right? <laughs> There are people I have not talked to since high school. And I know what they did last weekend. I know what their kids look like. I know, you know what I mean? I know, and it creates this false sense of relationship. We have no relationship, right? There is no depth to it. There is no, there is no depth to our relationship. And when you look at the spectrum, I believe we as Christians should be distinctively different. So even on the low end of the spectrum, in the way that we interact with people, they should notice that there is something different about us. All the way to our true friends, the depth of our relationship should be different. Moving towards being more and more naked. From casual interactions with people to our friends and to our ultimate friend. For those of us who are married. For those of us who are, who are getting married, our ultimate friend should be our spouse, right? That's at, the, that's at the high end of the spectrum, man. When you are totally naked, totally vulnerable, totally exposed, that person is your spouse. The calling in this friendship spectrum to be totally naked with that person. And I've tried to think of examples of each, and I just, I think that it it diminishes it because I don't, it, it's not like a prescription for this is what you're supposed to say to the Walmart cashier. This is what you're supposed to say to your coworkers. But it's something I think that we should be just aware of in all of our relationships. Am I, am I holding myself back? Am I hiding something? Am I putting up some kind of false identity of myself? We should be different. Even in our casual interactions with people, they should see that we are free. That we're free. And they see the freedom because we're not hung up on what people might think about us because we know that there's one person who matters, that we're loved by the king. Man, I don't care if you know about my past. That past has been dealt with. I don't care about this. I have been set free. And you see this a lot, especially in um, young Christians, especially when they're later in life and they become a Christian and they just experience so much freedom. And what happens is everybody around them, even the people that they barely have relationships with, what do they say? Man, there's something different. I see in you a freedom that I want for myself. And a lot of times it comes from that vulnerability. It comes from saying things that expose themselves, being naked, being able to tell your coworkers, you know, I'm sorry about this, you know, not hiding behind blame. Just the way that we, we, we engage people is different. It should be different. If we experience that freedom, if we really believe that we're set free from guilt and condemnation, 
we, more than anyone else, should be unafraid of being naked in front of God and in front of people. We're called to treat people as friends, right? We're called to love people in that kind of way, and that's different, and that will change people, and people will find, and the more vulnerable you are with people, the more vulnerable they are with you. It drops walls. It allows us to enter into true relationship. So I want to take a look at an example from Scripture. And I think as we talk about, you know, kind of moving from those casual relationships into, you know, friendship. And there's a great example from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. And last week we talked about David as just a great example of being free to be who he is in the way that he worshiped God to the point where he literally strips down in front of everyone to worship God because he was that free. Man, I don't care. I'm going to go for it. David being naked in his relationship with God. And here we see one of David's closest friends, Jonathan, and we, we get some insight into that relationship. Just to set this up, David has just killed Goliath. And David, um, you know, was a little scrawny kid, comes on the scene and Saul and his army, Saul was the king. Jonathan's father, Saul, was the king, and he hadn't been able to deal with Goliath. And nobody wanted to go and, and fight him. And David comes on the scene, and he's like, he's just a man. We've got God. Like, I'm not going to be afraid of that. And he's not being obnoxious. He's not, you know, trying to, to be some holy roller. He's just saying, look, I am confident that God is behind us. And if he's behind us, I don't care how big this guy is. So David goes out, and we know the story. He takes out Goliath. Well, Saul, the king, immediately, he's like, oh, this is, this is bad. This is trouble. He sees him as a threat. He already knows, it's been prophesied that, that, that he's not going to, that he has lost the favor of God. And so Saul sees in David something that he doesn't have for himself. Saul is jealous of David. And so David befriends Saul's son, Jonathan. And this is where we are. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. He became one in spirit. This idea that, that their friendship, that, that they shared, they were unified in, in, in their passions and their purposes. Probably talking about things like, what, it was, what does it look like to get God back in Israel? What does it look like for us as a nation to, to remember how God saved us and delivered us? They find unity in, 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 in each other. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Jonathan and David, their friendship is so deep that they describe Jonathan, that their love for each other was like the way that they would love themselves. Right? Doesn't that sound familiar? Jesus calling us to love our neighbor. Not love the people that love you the most, not love the people that are closest to you. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we see this and Jonathan and David. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Saul wanted to keep David close. And in just a little while, Saul's going to actually try and kill him. But he's trying to keep David, you know, controlled because he doesn't want him, you know, getting out. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing and he gave it to David, along with his tunic or his armor, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Saul saw David as a threat. 
legitimately, right? But he was also a threat to Jonathan, right? Jonathan was next in line. Jonathan was, was the prince of Israel. If Saul were to get taken out, Jonathan was going to be the one to take over. But Jonathan, in this, in this incredible passage, gives him his robe, gives him his, his identity. He makes himself exposed to David, right? He gives him his armor, the thing that I would use to protect myself from you. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to give you my sword. I'm going to give you everything that you could hurt me with. Jonathan makes himself vulnerable to David. Jonathan didn't consider his princeship something to be held on to, but he chooses to make himself vulnerable to David. Doesn't that sound familiar? Christ. We're called to have the mind of Christ. We're called to love people the way that Christ loved us. Jesus, God in the flesh. Philippians, Paul would say he didn't consider his godliness something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, becoming vulnerable, vulnerable even to death. That's our example, right? And so we see what does it look like in friendship to be vulnerable and to be naked. I, I believe it's, it's given up that, the armor. It's taken off the armor. It's taken off the sword. If you want depth in your relationship, the very things that you could hurt me with, giving it away, saying, here it is. You know, I think about, and you know, your relationship with your spouse, you don't, you didn't, don't, don't necessarily want your wife to have a sword, okay? But if you really want depth in your relationship, if you really want vulnerability, you're going to say, look, here's a sword that I like to use, right? When I act like this, it's, it's just, it's my defense mechanism, and I'm just, I'm giving it to you. I'm telling you I do this, and so I want you to know. And yes, your spouse could turn right around and use it and say, well, you only do this because of this. But by making that, that action, you are making yourself naked, you are making yourself vulnerable, and you are entering into a depth of relationship. The same is true in our friendships, and we see it in Jonathan and David. But marriage, marriage is our ultimate friendship. At the far end of the spectrum of, of, of being naked in our relationship with people, it's, it's, it's our spouse. It's so much so that the scripture, when it talks about being married, it talks about being one. That you are indivisible. When God sees there, there, is, there is something unique about this bond that makes it so that you are inseparable your identities are intertwined so strongly that all Old and New Testament defines you as being one, naked. There, there's nothing between you. There's no clothes to hide. You're totally exposed, totally vulnerable. You're not hiding anything. You're not holding anything back. Can we talk about sex for just a second? We're the middle schoolers. How you guys doing? Sex. <laughs> you know, people say Christians, you know, they think of sex is bad or they think whatever, this or that. But at the end of the day, we have a high view of sex because it is a physical representation of what's happening emotionally and spiritually, right? You are physically 
naked. If there's ever been an opportunity for someone to take a sword and whack you, <laughs> I mean, and when you're naked and the person laughs, I mean, that's it. You know what I'm saying? It is the ultimate in vulnerability. So strong is, is, is the nakedness that we experience in, in sex that God says you can't do it outside of a covenant. He says it's so strong should your nakedness be, so strong should your vulnerability be, should your exposure be, that this should only happen within the context of, of a covenant. Friends with benefits, you know, sex outside of this covenant, you're lying, right? You're lying physically. Because physically you're naked, but you're not emotionally. You're not, you, cannot, you cannot be totally vulnerable with somebody that you're not committed to. Because at the end of the day, they can look you up and down, naked before them, and say, nah, no. Right? But when you stand up before God and man, and you, and you make those vows, you say, for better or worse, I don't care. For better, I'm looking you up and down. I'm saying, you know what? I will not reject you. I will not. I am vowing before God. And only from that place can you truly be naked and vulnerable with your ultimate friend, the ultimate example, the closest human relationship we have to our relationship with Christ, right? Christ who looks us up and down and says, I see you, all your faults. He's not some, you know, deranged old man who doesn't see our faults and pretend like they don't exist. He says, no, I see them. I've dealt with them. And I love you in spite of them. Does that make sense? In our relationship with our spouse, that's, that's the closest we can be to experiencing that. It's seeing each other totally exposed, totally vulnerable, and saying, I accept you. That is a kind of love there is, there is a depth of love in relationship that just can't be experienced without that kind of exposure, without that kind of nakedness. To love in spite of everything, no matter what we see when we're undressed. And this won't happen overnight. So right now you're thinking, I don't know if I have that relationship with my spouse. I don't either. But that's the goal. That's where we should be moving. That should be a desire of our hearts. Let me say it that way. It should be our desire that we are moving more and more. And I can say this. We, we've been married like 14, 14, 14-ish years, 14-ish years. And, and, and I can honestly say, like, it's not like you reach a day and you're like, oh, we're done. Oh, I now know everything. It's amazing. It's incredible. And it's actually something that I find exciting about it because there is always more to uncover. And you will spend the rest of your lives, for those of you who are married, you will spend the rest of your lives finding out what these vows mean, finding out how I can be more vulnerable. You, there's things about yourself you don't even know yet, so you can't really even expose them because they're hidden even to you. So as we look at this friendship spectrum from the casual relationships to our friends, to our spouse, we ask the question, well, why don't we want to be naked? <laughs> why don't we want to be exposed? Why don't we want to be vulnerable? Why do we want to hide things? Why do we want to hold ourselves back? Is that really a question? 
right? I was thinking, you know, I need to answer the why. I'm like, you think there's people out there that think, well, no, it's obvious. I think it's obvious. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want someone to see us and go, no. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want them to take that sword and hit us with it. We want to keep our armor on so that if they do choose to hit us, I've got some way of defending myself. We want control. We want to be king. Jonathan, man, he could have taken that sword and just taken care of David right then. Boom. He could have been king. We want to be king. We want our pride. We want that false self that we're able to propagate. We don't want someone to know the truth because we're afraid. Being naked, ironically, is not comfortable. Somebody laughed at that. That's great. That means that it's working. That means that you understand the concept. Being naked isn't comfortable. It shouldn't be comfortable. If it's comfortable, you're not doing it right. (laughs) We want to put up walls to protect ourselves. There's this this researcher, um, Bryn Brown, who gave a great TED Talk, and she's written books about human connection, and she was looking at relationships and people with the healthiest relationships and people that, you know, didn't battle with depression and things like that, and she defined them as wholehearted people, courageous people. And the word courage, she linked to this idea of people that would bring their whole heart, that they wouldn't hold anything back. And she said this. She said, vulnerability is at the core of shame and fear in our struggle for worthiness. But... It appears that it's also the birthplace of joy, creativity, of belonging, of love. And so she's saying, this is a human researcher. She's not, there's no spiritual dimension to to what she's saying. But she's looking at relationships, not just marriage relationships, relationships in general, healthy relationships between people. And she says that, that vulnerability is so incredibly hard. And yet, I see that the people that can do it The people that are courageous enough to be vulnerable are the ones that experience these great joys. Being naked, it sets us free to be loved. It lets ourselves, being naked lets ourselves be seen, right? Deeply seen. Because here I am, right? That's the whole concept. People think that if they knew this about me, Man, if they, if they knew what I've done or if they know what I thought, if they could see this or that, then they would reject me. And so we hold it back. And what happens is, even if you experience love, you're thinking, yeah, you love me because you just don't know. You see that? We can only experience as much love as we're willing to be vulnerable. If you want to experience the depth of love, it requires a vulnerability. It requires an exposure, not hiding things. We can only be loved to the extent that we're truly seen. Being naked sets us free. We could be undressed from people's expectations on us. The masks that we have to wear to hide our struggles. Acting like we have it all together so that people will think highly of us. Man, being naked sets us free. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to wear any more masks. I'm not going to pretend. Why? Because I'm loved by the king. He loves me. He's seen every bit of me. And he loves me. So if you reject me, you're lost. That's freedom. It also, this breaks cycles. 
being naked, being vulnerable, it breaks cycles. Some of us have experienced great wounds in our relationships. And there's these cycles, especially I think about in marriage relationships, where it's just, it's a cycle. I can't be vulnerable, because if I do, I know they're going to use it against me. But somebody's got to be the first one. Somebody's got to be the first one to be vulnerable. Someone's got to be the first person to drop their defenses and say, no more. Here's my sword. Here's my armor. It breaks the cycle. Jesus makes himself absolutely vulnerable, and he breaks the cycle of sin and death once and for all. Here's one, one of the benefits of being naked that I think is most, that I'm most excited about as, as, uh, at River City Church is it allows us to engage community. We're a naked community at River City Church. If you're a visitor, <laughs> aren't you glad you're here? Okay, we, I, seriously, I want us to be a naked community. I want us to be real, right? When we show up on Sunday morning, I want us to be real about where we are. In order to be connected with other people, we have to be seen, right? We can't put on the show. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. When you lost your job or you lost your home, can't we be real at church? If there's any place that we could be real, shouldn't it be church where we're all gathered around to receive encouragement from the one who loves us? To get connected with the one who has told us that in spite of ourselves, he's going to love us and pursue us. This allows us to engage in true community. This morning, there are real hurts, real pain, real sorrow, real things that are going on. And it, and it, and it, breaks, it breaks my heart when I hear about stories of, of people that go through this, this pain and sorrow and their best friends don't know about it. They don't tell anyone. So they go through it alone. It's not good for man to be alone. We need to be moving in that direction of surrounding ourselves. I, I'm not saying you got to have uh, all 1,500 of your Facebook friends you need to be this vulnerable with, but there should be friends in your life that you are vulnerable with, that you are naked with. If you're married, you should be moving in this direction. It's the call of Scripture to be one. That, you would be, that there would be nothing that would separate you, nothing between you. Okay, a couple disclaimers. Some people maybe are too vulnerable. Some, some people, they, they don't have a problem with this nakedness. They run around naked. They're streakers, right? <laughs> they dump their woundedness. <laughs> some, some, I mean, some people just need boundaries. They do need boundaries. And, 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 I, and I say that only because, you know, I've talked to, like, Jonathan Jones is a counselor in the church, and, and, and I, know, I know this to be true, that there are some of us, but probably the majority of us are at the other end of the spectrum, right? The majority of us, I believe, are at the end, other end of the spectrum where we, we want to hide behind those boundaries, that we want to put up those walls. People that have been wounded, we put up walls so that we can't be wounded again. We put on the armor, I'm not going to give that armor to anybody. I'm going to hold on to it. But then those things isolate us. They make it so that we can't engage in community. We can't be loved in spite of those things. Jonathan could have easily hidden behind royalty, right? He could have said, I'm a prince, man. You're just a shepherd boy who lucked out and hit a giant with a stone. Thanks for your sword. <laughs> like, that would have been okay. He could have, he could have said, that's a boundary. I'm not going to cross. I'm a prince. Who's this punk? 
But he chose to move past that. Many of us in our marriages, we say, well, you know, that's great. That's all well and fine, but that's not the way my parents did it. So is that how you're going to define your marriage? Well, we just don't have that kind of relationship or friendship. You know, we just don't have that kind of relationship. Well, whose fault is that? Who's to say that relationship can't grow deeper? Who's to say that maybe by you being vulnerable in that friendship, that it might, it might reach that depth, that you might move in that direction? And you would say, well, well people, people will let me down. People will violate that trust. Yes, if you do it right, they will, right? If we are following the example of Jesus, whose vulnerability, you know, it impacted a lot of people, but it also led to his death, right? If we are following his example, we will experience pain, but we will also experience love. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. It's not something that we should hide behind these boundaries, but we need love in spite of them. At our church, we have a thing called core. It's a, it's a 12, 14, 16, 20, something, 8. It's a lot of weeks where we go through a process, where we go through a process of just becoming real and trying to strip away the junk in our life. Strip away the things that we hide behind and the false sense selves that we put up to protect ourselves. And I would recommend it for anybody who is a member of River City Church. And right now, if you're saying, and I've talked to people in the church, and they say, no way, I'm doing core. <laughs> I'm not getting naked, is what they're saying. Man, I would encourage you this morning. If you're thinking, man, I, th- I, think, I think I want to get naked. I think I want to get naked. <laughs> Don't let it pass. All right, there are sign-up sheets today only out on the desk. Sign up now to be the first to get information when we start running core for the next year. Don't let this morning escape you. That, that being said, there's only so much that we can do to move in this direction. There's only so far that we can go. In, in, in the last couple minutes, I just I want to share this story um, from uh, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. C.S. Lewis, phenomenal way of just bringing in allegory to communicate deep truths. And he tells this story about a boy named Eustace. And Eustace was a, was a miserable kid. And everybody around him, he made miserable. And the thing is, he, he, he was so afraid of being rejected that he, he inflicted pain on those around him. He was mean to all the other kids because he was afraid they were going to reject him. And so instead of le- allowing them to reject him, he was going to reject them first. Eustace was this miserable little boy and on the, the voyage of the Dawn Treader, he actually physically becomes what he emotionally was. And he becomes this dragon that nobody can get close to. Hidden behind armor and talons. And he's lonely. And he realizes, I, I don't want to be alone. And so Aslan, the great Christ figure from the story, he comes, he comes in and, and he tells Eustace, well, then you have to get undressed. You have to get undressed. And Eustace begins to pull off the armor that he would use to protect himself and the talons. And every time he pulls it off, there's more armor below it. There's more scales of protection. There's more. And he keeps digging and he keeps digging and he gets as far as he can. And finally, Aslan says, that's all you can do. Now I have to undress you. I'm the only one that can undress you completely. And at that point, 
Aslan takes off the last of his armor, the last of his scales, and he becomes a boy again. And I think there is this great truth that there is only so much we can do before we have to allow Jesus to expose those tender parts of our heart, of our lives. There's only so much that we can do in this direction before only Jesus can do it. And so right now, we'll have an opportunity for prayer ministry. And I would encourage you to ask Jesus to set you free. Ask him to expose you, to to make you vulnerable in your relationships with your spouse and with your friends. That, That God is calling us as a church to live naked, exposed and vulnerable and not hiding anything. In our relationship with him, in our relationship with people that we run into in Jacksonville, into our relationship with our friends, into our relationships with our spouses. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the way that you've loved us in spite of ourselves. We thank you that you you have not rejected us, and that you pursue us. And I pray that you would set us free this morning to experience the depth of relationship with our friends, with our spouses. God, that we would change Jacksonville, that we would change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.